the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 197 for Monday, April 6, 2009. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab. We're burning out light bulbs. We're running behind. We're you are rushing me, man. Plays. We're rushing. Uh, you put me under the gun there. And I think but, even uh, Twitter's down. But we are here and we're rocking. I just thought it was mood lighting, Dave. <laughs> That's Pilot Pete, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're all back. We're all back. So um, we're back. And it's Monday night. It's like, you know, it's like yeah. getting the band back together here. So it's regular. So um, uh, quickly, regular. what, what was I doing? This podcast is all about what? regularity. Well, not really. Okay, that's right. So anyways, I was at, um, very quickly, what was I doing? I was at the Vision Show in Phoenix. Phoenix is cool. Uh, visited a college buddy of mine. The, the Vision Show was good, too, and actually I'll, I'll have to dig through my notes, but did learn some things uh, in the Vision field. We, we've talked about this in the Mac world, uh, differentiating USB and FireWire and, and different interfaces, and learned quite a bit. I, I took some courses that had to do with uh, real-time applications for visioning but it also applies to uh, just about any peripheral um and cool. suffice to say uh usb takes more work and firewire is uh yeah but we'll get to it later so that was cool um my little checklist places that have free wi-fi when i was traveling bradley in connecticut uh phoenix airport and las vegas um and also, I hear, I, I think in um, Atlanta, if you go to the international, but uh, other than that, I mean, it, it's such a just a wonderful thing when I can use my iPod touch and not break out the computer to Twitter or whatever the heck I want to do. And, and the, there are very few airports. Lots of them offer Boingo or whatever the heck it is. And it's just just stop it. Come on, please. <laughs> I, think, it's, I think it's exhausting enough as it is and, and stressful enough traveling. Free Wi-Fi would just calm me down. Is that, is that what it takes? Free Wi-Fi is like the Xanax of the information age. Is that right? Well, in addition to some other things like having enough seat room and your well, flight being on time and yeah, these minor like that, little which, details. That's right. If you're at the airport, doesn't it come to like $300 a month for slow, crappy Wi-Fi? Yeah, but it's still cheaper than most hotels. Well, this is true. <laughs> My hotel was twelve ninety five a day, and I expensed it. The, the, yeah, the, but the, was it good, or was it like being, you know, No, it was, good. It was very good. Well, oh, I brought okay. my own. I brought my own in the interest of uh, some security. I brought my own Airport Express. Well, um, was the bandwidth enough, though? I mean, regardless yeah, oh, absolutely. Of the, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it was fine. I was I was streaming movies and uh, stuff. No, the, oh, the so speed you're was the fine. guy that slows it down for the rest of us. <laughs> well, I what I got to say is that this hotel, that this was the uh, uh, Sheraton Phoenix downtown. This hotel is like a year old. This is a new hotel. They're really trying to build the downtown. They just got a new hotel. The convention center is, is beautiful. I, I put up some pictures of it. Um, they got a light rail system. But, but it's funny because as opposed to other cities like San Francisco or Chicago or New York or where, wherever you go for trade shows, it was kind of kind of dead. I mean, almost like Wall Street, and then we'll move on. But like if, if you're in Manhattan, I, I did training one time, and it was in the Wall Street area, like, you know, southern or, you know, the, the southernmost part of uh, Manhattan. And it was Deadsville after five o'clock. Same sort of thing. Not so much with Phoenix. But um, anyways, it was it was a great trip. I, th I think uh, just to, to give a shout out there, I've never been there, but PDX, which I believe is Portland, uh, Washington, Portland, West. Portland, Oregon, Portland, West, Portland, yeah. West. Right, right, right. Um, is uh, also has free Wi-Fi. So, nice. yeah, that's good. 
Uh, you, you know, and while we're on the subject of uh, of Portland West, we will do our uh, we'll we'll give a shout out to Gene and 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 we'll we'll segue right in to our first sponsor of the evening, which is Smile on My Mac at smileonmymac.com. Text Expander two point six just came out now. Text Expander, if you don't know what it is, uh, what what they what they've created here is a piece of software. It runs in the background. Uh, it's a preference pane. It's running all the time, and it allows you to type short little snippets that uh, of of text that will then be expanded into uh, something much larger. Now you, you know you can use it uh, for something very simple, like an email signature, and and though that's very simple and easy to do. Man, it saves so much time to uh, to to do something like that. You can also have it. Uh, I have my physical address here and actually John's physical address, because a lot of times I'm dealing with people and they ask, oh, you know, do you have an address for uh, reviews to go out to? And I used to have to go and look up John's address because I don't have his address memorized. And then I finally put both of our addresses into a little snippet in Text Expander, and I type my little uh, thing and boom, I type like, uh, you know, comma JB ad and that's comma John Braun, you know, address is, is how cool. I remember it. And boom, out comes John's address. No problem. Uh, I've got the same thing for me here. It, it works great. I. I couldn't possibly imagine living without text expander on my Mac. Now, version 2.6, for those of you that are already using it or have seen it in the past, uh, adds a couple of things. You can have groups of snippets, and now you have different expansion options uh, for each group. So you can tell it, look, uh, expand after white space. So after you type, you know, a space or expand after anything but letters and numbers. So as soon as you hit a period, maybe it'll expand or you can have it expand after any character. So on a per group basis, you can have different snippets that behave in different ways. Um, you can, and this thing is great. Uh, the way it works at, and I, I assume this just because of, uh, of, of the way I interact with it. But what happens is when you type one of these things, what text expander does is it grabs what's on your clipboard, saves it off to the side, goes and pushes whatever your snippet's going to be into the clipboard and then paste it out into your text. Then it goes and replaces the clipboard back with whatever you had out there to begin with. And that delay was sometimes a little bit too much of a lag for people. And so now they've also allowed you to reduce that uh, clipboard restore delay. So uh, if you do a snippet and then hit paste immediately afterwards, you can probably get what uh, what you're after. So this is Text Expander uh, from SmileOnMyMac.com. It is twenty nine ninety five, uh, but of course you can go get a thirty day fully functioning demo at SmileOnMyMac.com. So that's our that's our first sponsor for the show. And uh, I I, uh, I I don't think I said uh, version six. I think I said version two point six. Okay, just check. Okay, yeah, but sorry. I appreciate you catching me. Yeah. If I did say version six, uh, it's version two point six. I, I showed first, it to my fourteen year old son this week. Yeah. He said, "Cool, I've got to have it, Dad." Yep. Okay. Yep. Wow. That's right. There you go. Thirty bucks. Um, so a little sideline, Dave, just, you know, yeah. little, little timely things that we solve here. So, so this is something, uh, I was helping my buddy, Josh, you know, okay. he's, uh, he's Mac based. He's yep. got the, uh, time machine and time capsule. And he was like, it's not backing up. It starts to back up, you know, I guess, uh, due to the, uh, looking at the, uh, icon in the menu bar and then it stops. And I'm like, up. Oh, well, the first place to look is we're going to go to applications, utilities, console. And, um, 
the first time I asked him, he sent me the whole console, which was bad. Um, you you want to filter on the console. Well, no, within, yeah. you know, within a couple hundred lines. It, yeah. uh, I don't think the default view holds that much, but I'm like, no, find me backup D messages. And of course, a uh, console lets you search. You know, first you got to qualify what you want to search for. I think, you know, like uh, all messages or system messages. Right. And then you type this in and it brought up an interesting thing. So uh, part of this is kind of like reading tea leaves, the, uh, the console messages, because you never know really what they're saying. But in this case, I found something where it was like, hmm, you know, this is probably the cause of his backup aborting. And it said indexing a file failed, returned 11, negative 1136 for blah, 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 the name of the file. Um, aborting backup because indexing a file failed. But that was enough of an error message, especially the 1130, negative 1136, where I searched online. Now, note, this is a backup D message, Dave, which means at least um, the backup process is invoking it, not Spotlight, but the, the, the searching I did hinted that Spotlight... Now, I don't know if Time Machine or something is invoking Spotlight before it does something, or if the file comes up during the backup process and it says, huh, you know, that hasn't been indexed. It's not clear to me, but but it's clear to me that the indexing or Spotlight process is being invoked and is unhappy. Um, what I suggested, or I, I found online, the solutions were, you know, delete your Spotlight index, which you can do if you go to the Spotlight control panel, system preference, sorry. <laughs> Huh. We're never going to shake that, are we? No. no so, um, no. and and basically, there's a private tab, um, in the Spotlight uh, uh system preference. Drag a drive over there. Now we're going to mention two things. So, one, drag the drive that has the problem over into the private area. Wait a while, I don't know, seconds, a minute, whatever, and then drag it out again. That should recreate the index. There may be other ways to do this. There's which actually I don't know a, off there's top a, my head. there's a better way. Um, okay, and tell me the better way. This is a way, but um, yeah, the, go. The, that way, if the index is corrupted, that way may not do right. it. Um, but what I found is I use a command called mdiutil, um, uh, and I or mdutil, mdutil. It's mdutil. Uh, so and and it has to be run as root. So you have to write sudo sudo space mdutil space dash capital e which will erase the index and then a path to the volume. So if it's your boot drive, it's just space and then slash. If it's another volume, it's space slash volumes slash volume name slash. And then that will do it. Uh, so if your okay. drive, your drive is called stuff, it's sudo space MD util space dash capital E space dash slash volume slash stuff. Uh, and and we'll we'll put a link in the show notes. I think there's a Mac OS 10 hints article that'll that details that process and, yep. and puts it all right out in front of you. The so. good news is shortly after emailing suggestions on how to do this, I got a, uh, a message on my answering machine saying it's backing up, John. Thank you. So, but but, but today's Excellent. point, yeah, you might as well you know get down to it and just get rid of the whole thing but but it seems in some cases you know it's worth a shot before you muck around with the uh, yeah. command line to, to try and use the uh the built-in capabilities though uh you know to get get your uh you know geek points you, you do want to go to the uh terminal as much as possible yeah and there there is some relation from from what i read you know you, you passed some of the stuff along to me and I, I did some research on it and it looks like there's some relation with spotlight and and time yeah, machine weird I, yeah the the one thing that i came across uh other people experiencing was that 
if Spotlight was running on their backup volume. Oh, that shouldn't be. No, and it's supposed to add it out to the privacy tab automatically, but it, it's helpful to make sure of that. And you have to do it when the backup drive is mounted. So while a backup is happening, if you go into uh, system preferences and spotlight into that privacy spot, uh, then either drag or click the plus sign and go and add the, uh, the, your, the backup store. So, you know, it'll be backup of, you know, your hard drive or something like that. Go ahead and add that to the privacy tab. Because what you don't want is spotlight running on your backup. Now I know we've heard from some listeners that have actually purposefully pulled it out of there because they want to be able to search their backups. The the problem with that is you're, it may work for some, it may work for some for a while, but then it sort of falls apart. So yeah, that's that. Okay. You know, I guess next we're going on to Dave, uh, uh, something that is just, you know, universally beloved and enjoyed by all Apple users and Mac users everywhere, which is a, is uh, the dock, which is the dock. That's right. Yeah. And, it, you know, this this started actually uh, the conversation that I was having with my brother last week. And um, and, and then no, it's his fault. It, it is his fault. Yeah. It, he was he was asking me about something. And I said, no, I've never done that. And and so we went through this whole thing and, and wound up coming across a couple of dock tips. And I thought, all right, well, that's that's a good found. That's a good enough foundation here. Let's assemble some dock questions. And I actually posted to Twitter and said, look, anybody with dock questions, send them in. We'll, uh, you know, we'll go through several of them on the uh, on the show this week. So uh, I we can do this a, a number of different ways. I might as well I might as well start where it started, where Matt, uh, my brother, came to me and said, wouldn't it be cool if you had spacers in the dock instead of having all the apps just lined up right next to each other? Is there a way to space them out? And as it turns out, there is um, w- what it is, is and this is actually built in. Well, there's a spacer of sorts. If you look at the dock, to, to is, rewind a bit. There is so, one spacer. But, but yes. this is what we're talking about here is putting space between, say, your applications on uh, the dock. Okay. Because right now the granularity is to the left are apps, to the right is folders and the trash and, and other kind of interesting things. And, and the spacer bar itself does something if you click on it. But we'll get to that in a moment. But right. Other than that, that's that's all you get. But, you're You're... Yeah, but the You're saying I- there's more. The idea was, yeah, l- wouldn't it be great to cluster like, you know, if you if you have a couple of web browsers or whatever, cluster those together and have a space on either side of them. And and then maybe your utility applications, you know, if you've got three or four of those that you always keep in the dock. OK, because right? I do that already, but I group them kind of like browsers. And uh, yeah. yeah, so, you know, that'd be a nice feature to it- add a little more separation a little more just just a little visual cue yeah and so it, it it's a little funky what you do and, and we'll point to the mac os 10 hints article that 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 does this um there there are two commands one is a command that adds a spacer to the left side of the dock another is a command that adds a spacer to the right side and you go to the terminal you type one or the other command or i guess you could do both and then you have to run kill all dock and that will kill and then restart the dock. And when the dock comes back, if assuming you've added a space to the left side, it will be to the far right of the left side of the dock, but you can take the spacer and drag it and move it anywhere. And this will persist among reboots and, and relaunches and all that stuff. 
If you then want to add another one, you just wash, rinse, repeat, right? Type the command, type kill all doc, and you're good to go. And I'll give you a hint. In the terminal, once you've typed a command and hit return, uh, if you hit the up arrow key, you can scroll through all the previous commands that you've typed. Assuming you're set up as a default, you can turn this off and change the behavior. But but on a default install of Mac OS X, you can scroll up. And do that. So once you've typed these two commands, what you're going to do is just hit the up arrow twice to get to the second oldest command and hit return. And then the up arrow twice again, because now that the kill all doc is now the second oldest command. So it's very easy. Once you've typed and pasted this in, you can just sort of you repeat it all day long and then drag these spaces around. And like anything else in the doc, uh, if you want to remove a space, you just take it and drag it out of the doc and boom, uh, away it goes. So it, it really is. a You know, when he started saying it to me, I was like, huh, that could be interesting. And then I did it just as a matter of exercise. And now I love it. It's great. I mean, you could overdo mm. it like anything, but uh, but I like it. So, you know, there you sure. have it. And we're talking about the dock. You know, the dock, I, I, I don't think I really viewed it positively when I first got OS X because there are a number of features if you go in system preferences to the dock. Um, size, number one, they seem to really go overboard to show off the pretty icons and all the detail. I don't yeah. care about that stuff. I keep it small. Likewise, magnification, that's pretty eye candy for maybe the first five minutes, at least to me. Then it gets kind of old. So uh, position on screen, I'm I'm traditional i do the bottom but you can do left or right if you have a screen that, that can accommodate it that may be a better thing and then minimize using you know the genie effect you know it doesn't consume all processor but it's you know expensive and then uh, now i don't want to i don't know about you i uh, we talked about this before but animate opening applications where if something's opening it, it does the bouncy bouncy thing i think i still like that because so it it does take you know, processor to do that, but I think it's probably a good indication. I think actually, as, as some listeners indicated, if it bounces and then stops, that's a sign that something is is, is horribly wrong. So I don't uh, know if you activate yeah. that or not. Yeah, no, I I I like the the bouncing um, for sure. It I, I think that can be very handy. Um, you, you and know, the you, last thing is the auto hide and show. Now I don't know what you do. We we have had some people, and we'll have a hint in a moment, but, but, but normally I keep that off. I, I always like to have it there and it seems most apps uh, respect that space and don't overwrite it. Yep. I, I agree. I, I like having the dock there. It's a quick, easy way to, sh- to switch between, uh, um, you know, from application to application. I, I, mm-hmm. uh, I want to mention, you know, you were talking about how to, uh, use the settings for the dock to turn on the genie effect or, um, whether or not to animate opening. If you uh, use yes. Onyx, uh, O-N-Y-X, now normally we're, when we're talking about Onyx, we're talking about uh, the maintenance utilities built into this software that it'll clean your caches. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that again in this show because it seems like we always do. Uh, and and it will allow you to rebuild your permissions and run all the system maintenance scripts and all that stuff. But there is the parameters section and there's a whole sheet def- uh, dedicated to the doc. Now, uh, you can alter the doc's appearance from the, the 3D effect to a 2D effect with a transparency. So go, going back to the to the old way, the, the tiger way, um, there are three minimize uh, effects. And I believe the doc preferences in Leopard show two genie and scale. Uh, they have another one called suck, 
which will uh, <laughs> do exactly what it sounds like. It sucks it back down into the dock. Um, you can, uh, you've got the three positions. So Onyx doesn't allow you to put the dock at the top. I think I've seen something that does, but it'll let you do bottom left and right. Mm-hmm. But then it will let you anchor the dock by default. It's centered. You can have it anchored left, anchored, right, anchored, top, anchored, bottom, depending on how you've done that. Um, so there's some, there's very, very interesting uh, stuff that goes on there. You can, you can set it to go transparent for hidden applications. Um, you, 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 there's there's all kinds of little cool little things uh, in in the in the dock. And actually, you know what? Now that I'm looking at this in Onyx, you don't have to do the uh, the terminal command. There's a there's a spot right in here to add spacers uh, to the application side or to the to the other side of the dock. So you can do it all right here. And uh, I, I had no idea that it was there until just this moment. So there huh. you go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so Onyx, very very cool, and of course it's you know well worth the price of admission at uh, at free. We yeah. like free. Free is good. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do with the dock, John, is to take my applications folder and drag uh-huh. it down into the dock. Why would you do that? Onto the right side. No, it's great. It gives why you, because it gives you a great way to launch apps. If you don't, you know, you can't do um, hierarchical app trees in the dock right on the left hand side it's icon and that's it you know but uh so i put my favorite stuff over there but then on the right i put my applications folder and that way i have a quick way of launching anything that's sitting there in my apps folder now i don't like it to be in that fan you know hoity toity thing so i always right click after i drag the folder down there i right click on it and i say open it as a folder and open it as a list i don't want a group of icons i just want an alphabetical list and boom and oh, OK, great. because I, I was just messing with that. And yes, my downloads folder explodes into the folder explosion. Yeah, nobody likes that. But my documents folder opens up into a traditional, uh, you know, file layout. Yep. Yep. Better. So you can. So you're saying right click and yeah, OK, fan grid list automatic. Nice. Automatic is usually automatically exactly what you don't want. <laughs> so uh, I think that's I think that's what that translates to. It's just you know short. It's like code for uh, for trying to figure out what I want and and give me something else at random. That's right. <laughs> uh, what next? All right. Well, should we go to Michael? Uh, okay. All right. Let me see if I can find Michael's question. Right? Is that right? Is that what we're mm-hmm. doing? Okay. Hey, John and Dave. Uh, Michael from New York. Uh, I have a uh, little stumper here. I have a client who uh, is a recent switcher, and uh, he likes to work in Photoshop on the Mac and then do everything else in parallels because that's how he's used to working. Uh, But when he works in uh, Photoshop, he wants to be able to edit his photos uh, full screen, but he doesn't want the dock to appear in Photoshop. Uh, Is there a way to tell Leopard that uh, you can only run the dock in Finder mode or... um, Put another way, I don't want the dock to appear in Photoshop only. So... Like a hide the dock based on application type of thing. All right, let's see if someone uh, out there might be able to assist with this. Uh, I haven't been able to locate anything um, useful. This is where you cut me off. All right, uh, 
So, John, of course, we go back to our our favorite site for little tips and hints and all that stuff that Rob Griffiths produces. That's Mac OS 10 hints dot com. And of course, because otherwise you would be ripping your hair out. I think so. Yeah. Or banging your head. Yeah, it'd be bad. It It, would be bad. I'd have a bruise on my forehead is what it would Mm -hmm. be. Yeah. Um, Auto hide the dock on and menu bar on a per app basis. So uh, there is a hint. It talks about how to do this. What you have to do is first and foremost, make a copy of the application. I'm waiting. Okay, you're done. Good. Uh, Now, uh, you go into the application. You right-click on it or control-click on it. You have to show package contents and dig in there, and you'll find uh, an info.plist file. And you go in, and alphabetically, uh, in the keys, you add another key that is, and we'll send you the hint. You don't have to write this down, but I'll just say it because it'll it'll let you know how deep you've got to go. You're adding a key that is LSUI presentation mode, and you are setting it to mode four. Uh, and and then this turns off both the, the menu bar uh, and the dock. Now, it doesn't turn them off. It hides them. So the menu bar is just uh-huh. like the dock. If you float up to the top, it will float down at you. So uh, for something like Photoshop, this might actually be very, very handy. And uh, and, and they talk about that right in the hint. So uh, so I think it I think it works works just fine. But but really make a copy of the app. You don't you know, you don't want to start editing this stuff and screw it up. You've got to edit a P list file. Now, John, uh, I think we we're going to talk about it later, but uh, we might as well talk now. About it now. Yeah. What, what's your you know, I anytime I edit P list files, I use BB edit. And the cool thing about it is mm. um, you have the option of installing a BB edit command line utility. So if you're digging around in the terminal and you say, "Ooh, I want to edit this file in BB edit, you simply type bb edit space and then the name of the file mm-hmm. and it opens in the gui version of uh of bb edit which is pretty cool yep and bb edit will edit p lists but there's there's a there's another way yeah so p list file so, so as you said dave is an xml file which really is just a text file like html or anything that has certain characters that surround the name of the type of data you know Title, head, whatever. Look at the source for our webpage and you'll see it. But um, a property list file is a special file. And there are a number of things that can edit it. I think Internet Explorer, well, at least on Windows. <laughs> Not on the Mac, sorry. Can you, uh, I think you Firefox. Edit with IE, can you? Or Firefox? Uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, View. Okay. Uh, typically View. Okay. Um, but one of the applications that um, if you are a developer or have installed developer tools, um, is called, not surprisingly, Property List Editor. And uh, what I have on my machine in Developer, Applications, Utilities, Property List Editor is a utility that when I click a, double-click on a .plist file, that's what it launches. So that's, um, you know, hey, it's free. Go yeah. to uh, ADC, get the tools, Xcode. That's one of the tools built in. And they have a lot of other good tools. Like uh, the other one I like is they have a USB probing tool that tells you everything about every USB device on your machine. And there's a lot of other good tools for free. Sign up on ADC, check it out. Um, so that's what I use. And you use uh, BB Edit for the most part. Well, yeah, I've, uh, you know, I, I use it. Let's put it this way. Or is that your default? Uh, I guess it, it, it probably... is. I, I use BB Edit for a lot of things. If I didn't already have BB Edit on my machine, 
Uh, I would use something else, obviously, but uh, but BB mm-hmm. Edit is great for for editing this stuff. I mean, it treats it just like any other uh, code file. You can uh, fold up uh, different sections of the the XML if you want to edit different things. It's it's really you know it's cool. It's it it edits it in a very smart way. But I think Property List Editor does some cool stuff too. So, mm-hmm. all right, are we ready to uh, to go on to Michael? And and this is at first you're going to wonder why this is in the doc section, but then, why? but then we'll, we'll we'll get there. So Michael writes, I have a weird little annoyance. I have the weather in my dashboard, but don't go into the dashboard very often. For a long time, I don't know why I said often. I never say often, John. I, I usually say often. Often you do. Often, often? I do. yeah. Often I say often. I, I think it should be off ten. There's a T in there, right? There is. Yeah. Yeah. It depends What's on. Up? Yeah. So anyway, uh, don't go into the dashboard regularly for a long time. I would notice that every now and then it would appear apparently vanish and I would dutifully re add it and recently realized that it was actually creeping up the screen. Maybe once a day, maybe when it updates two questions, one, how do I stop this? And two, do I have a whole bunch of extra weather widgets off the top of my screen, hogging my resources? All right. So, uh, this is a this is an interesting thing. You might you might just have a whole lot of weather uh, widgets at the top because you can put multiple instances of the weather widget in for, say, different locations or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, back to the P list editor, John. Home library preferences and then com dot apple dot dashboard dot P list, not dashboard dot client dot P list. In this case, uh-huh. it's just dashboard dot P list. And uh, and in there, you'll see all of the widgets. And I I was able to add multiple weather widgets. And as soon as I had two added, I saw it doing exactly what Michael describes. It, it, each time it it relaunched, it would creep up. You know, it wasn't one pixel, but it was several sets of pixels. And they would both just uh, sort of march on up the screen. On so each you're launch. saying so when two uh, more than one instance of the app was active this behavior occurred. Yeah. Now you won't see this. I'm wondering if the app did not expect to see another one of itself running. And so, and I think we're thinking the same thing. The programmer, uh, for whatever reason, did not check for this condition to say, Hey, you know, if I'm opening the PLUS file and somebody else comes along, tell them to get lost not right so it sounds like the two apps are fighting over it and they're they're kind of yeah they're doing the creeping pixel thing that's really kind of weird yeah and it's it's interesting i mean because the uh, at least as far as activity monitor goes it doesn't launch a separate process for each of these things at least not as far as i could tell it they all live within dashboard client but killing off dashboard client does not uh reload this plist file so you have to go in there and you'll find key sets and, and Michael, you're going to look for the ones that say dashboard and then you delete the whole keys. Uh, the, you'll see it in there and you'll, the way you'll know the key has ended is because you'll see the start of the next key for say either weather or, um, you know, maybe stocks or something. And, and it, it should be pretty clear that XML is usually broken out in a way that, that, that makes it visually apparent uh, what's together. It, Everything within the key will be tabbed in, so you'll you'll sort of see a hierarchy uh, in an outline there. And so you delete this stuff, and then again, 
the way you fix it or the way you implement or institute the fix is back to the terminal and then kill all doc. And when you're doing the kill all doc command, everything is lowercase except for the D. So it's kill all space, capital D doc. And, uh, and that, that should do it for you. That, that should clear that out and, uh, and save up your resources. But from what I've seen, John, if you're not, you, if you don't use the dashboard regularly, it only loads the dashboard the first, after the first time you load it in a session. So, uh, if you reboot and you haven't clicked on the dashboard icon, I don't think it goes mm-hmm. and refreshes all that stuff that's out there. I could be wrong about this, but I, it certainly seems like that. Yeah, I don't pay a lot of attention. Now, a little side question. Mm-hmm. You, you've seen the horrible line through the icon thing in the dock. No. No? Or question mark. I'm sorry. The question oh, mark through the icon. I, I have one right now. Yeah. Which means, I believe, hey... What happened to the thing I saw before? Right. What you do to that? And I don't believe there's a way to resolve that normally. Uh, well, it depends. In in many cases, if the if the app is restored, app or item is restored, uh, it will automatically fix that when you click on it uh, the first time. In mm-hmm. fact, I just did it. I had my my Drobo, which is sitting out on the network, uh, it was showing a question mark, presumably because it didn't reattach or something and and i have a link to it in the doc but i clicked it and it reattached and now everything's okay good that's right so you know the world is uh at peace again (laughs) in balance good what's next we have to do more uh we could or we could just bow up gracefully no 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 no. grace is not our middle name at least it's not mine (laughs) (laughs) is it is it yours Pete, your middle name's not Grace, is it? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's any. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I just don't know how to segue out of that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Stumble. It's good. It's good to stumble every now and then. It keeps us honest. Um, that way, this is how this, folks, this was an example. See, we set this up for you. This was an example of... Uh, of our way of showing you that this show is actually, though you're hearing it recorded, you are hearing it live. Uh, there, there are no edits here because if there were edits, we would have yeah. edited that out. Nobody in their right mind would bother editing a podcast and not cut that little bit out, or even this. What I'm saying right now, but so we don't. See, we're, we're, <laughs> Dave. We, we're trying to keep it real. We're keeping it real. Oh, We've been okay. keeping it real for uh, three years now. Right. Almost three years. We started this show in, in June. No, four years. No, and I got to say, I don't know what that means because the cool kids know what keeping it real is. I'm, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. sound cool. But you're a scant go. three shows away from 200. from 200. And I think it's four years. Right. Yeah. Because we started this in 05. So, yeah, we're, we're pushing four years on this. Keeping it real for four years. And we, there's some hand sign we can make that, that like, you know, adds an exclamation get point you shot in some cities. That's true. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Our second sponsor for the show. And we do certainly really? appreciate all of our sponsors <laughs> bearing with us through all of that and all thick of this. Thin. Yeah, it's all thick. It's just, you know, how how tough do you want to navigate? Um, it's Circus Ponies at CircusPonies.com with Notebook version 3.0. Uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, in fact, we've uh, we've got a, a dedicated Notebook user sitting to my right. And oh, no, no, no. It, it's, it's a little bit closer than that, Pete. It's you. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. That's right. 
You and your son use notebooks. So it is, uh, it is exactly what it says it is. It's an electronic uh, notebook. that it, It's actually an application in which you can create multiple electronic notebooks. And, and you can have them... It really, it it's ultimate flexibility because you can create them for any purpose you want and organize them in any way you want. It, it, and I assume that's right. And you can put, not only can you put text in there, but you can put images, you can put PDFs, you can mark up the PDFs, you can mark up the notebook, uh, you can scan things in. I think it's got uh, some OCR stuff that'll let you uh, let you you know mess with the with the text in there. And uh, and and it's got a search feature uh, that they call multidex that allows you to search based on what you remember about an item that you put in the notebook. So you don't have to remember a title. You can just anything you want, a date, a name, anything. And uh, and out you go. Is that uh, exactly? Yeah, okay. you can go for one or two keywords and find an article or something that you've written and you want to go back to and you have no idea where you left it. And that's the beauty of notebook. It's okay. uh, Kind of like yeah. an aid. <laughs> okay, get you get you back to where you need to be. Um, and uh, it, you know, it it it's one of these apps that sounds like you know we always say, well, you could organize it for different projects at work or this that and the other thing. But you you wind up using it at home. Your son actually uses it for school. If I if he I does, remember correctly, yeah, three different subjects in it right now. And, and, and uh, uh, just got to be on a science project with, and it's all in notebooks. Hey, Woo-hoo. all right, look. look at that. That's right. Uh, Tried so, kicking and screaming through that one, but he he did it. <laughs> well, <that's, laughs> whatever it takes, right? That's right. Uh, and that's notebook from CircusPonies.com. It is forty nine ninety five. Uh, but as with I think just about every piece of software we talk about here on the show, it comes with a test drive. This is a thirty day free test drive, full featured. Uh, so you can use it. You can get uh, get your stuff in there, and then uh, and then you won't have any option but to pay the the fifty bucks, and and you'll be happy about it, and your life will be uh, more complete with it. So that's uh, CircusPonies.com Notebook version three point oh, and uh, I think it's time for cool stuff found. We've been we've been delaying these for yeah. multiple shows now, haven't we? Hit it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so this one, this one's actually pretty quick. John writes, not not you, but John from Oregon. You're not in Oregon, are you? Not today. Okay. Did you write this when you were in Oregon? No. Okay. Then John in Oregon <laughs> writes, I just wanted to comment on something you mentioned in show number 190 concerning iDiscs, iDiscs, iDiscs? Can I say that? iDiscs, <laughs> inability to share individual files any, the, the way you can in Dropbox. You can now send links via email for individual large files to be downloaded from iDisk. The link can be given an expiration date as well as password protection. The file cannot be larger than one gigabyte, and you will only see this as a small message when you actually click the upload file button in MobileMe. For some reason, Apple announced this last month very quietly. Hope this helps out some of those who may have MobileMe and are unaware they have this ability. And we did. We talked about uh, iDisk's inability to do this. And then I think about two weeks later, they finally rolled it out. So thank you very much, John, for uh, reminding us to mention it here in the show so that faithful listeners will uh, will not be led astray. We always like to follow up when 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 either when things change or simply when we get it wrong. And uh, in this case, it was the former. But uh, thank you very much, John. Do you have anything to add to that? John, did we lose you? He's gone. He really is gone. All right. You know what? I'm going to pause the show and then magically Joe will be back. back right 
now? Uh, I'm back. Yes, you are. Excellent. Uh, okay, so y- you probably didn't hear all of the conversation on the MobileMe single file iDisk sharing, but uh, but you know what we were talking about. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, the only thing is uh, one thing I've used as of late, which I really, really like, and it's platform independent, and they have dedicated clients, is YouSendIt.com. Yeah. I think you've used it. I, I've used it just to, uh, similar to iDisk. It kind of lets you, uh, it lets you in securely if you're using a you know a secure browser with uh, HTTPS. Um, you can securely, in a sense, though, don't shake your fist at me if you're a security expert because, yes, one part of it is encrypting the data stream. There are other security aspects, but it's a handy thing to move files around. So. I like it. You like it. They have like like at work we use Outlook. They have an Outlook plugin. They have a plugin for a lot of uh different browsers and uh programs. Photoshop, I think, and stuff like that. So anyways, they don't pay us to say that. Maybe they should. Um let's move on. Yeah, uh, actually no let, let's 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 uh hang on to that branch for a minute. Um I, I do. I use you send it at least once a week when we finish the podcast. I use you send it to send that file off to Michael Johnston so that he can convert it to AAC. Mm-hmm. And since we started using you send it, other options have become available a la iDisk or even Dropbox. Um, I, I guess I've stuck with you send it because it's part of our workflow and it generates that email to Michael, which is sort of the trigger uh, for him to, to do that. And then the file just goes away when, when we're done, as opposed to it lingering out in the, uh, in the Dropbox and someone having to remember, Oh yeah, I got to go delete mm-hmm. that, you know? So, uh, so yeah, for, for that purpose, it's great. You know, if you've got a file you need to send to somebody, bam, off, off you go, if, you know, especially if you're email provider, like uh, I was talking to poor Harry at the, uh, at the, the musical at school tonight. Poor Harry. Well, he said his, you know, his, his email provider is limiting to limiting them to like seven or eight megabyte attachments, which is, totally Ugh. unacceptable if you ask me so especially in this day and age yeah that was great 10 years mega ago. bytes well yeah. well on the other hand email is yeah you know i gotta yeah. push back email is not meant as a file transfer solution it, it was never meant to be that yeah it's been cobbled and and you know twisted to do that but you really should use something else so yeah anyways yeah it's true it's true all right uh one more from matt a different matt I'll find it. Talk amongst yourselves. Oh, I already found it. Uh, Matt writes, he said, uh, I was listening to episode 192, I think, and heard the story about the people who got to the store to change the region code on their DVD player. This made me realize that this wasn't a hardware setting. And a few Google searches later, I had the procedure to change my region one DVD player to any region code I desired. Of course, I chose region free. The key to this was the site videohelp.com. They have a section called DVD hacks that can be searched for a particular model of DVD player. Then you just might find the procedure to change the region coding on yours. This might help someone play their content. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, that's uh, that's handy. A little off the beaten yeah. path for us. But, uh, yeah, there's still this tug of war between content owners and selling in foreign markets and, you know, them being too cheap or too expensive. I don't know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. You know, trying to trying to legislate this stuff, it's like, you know, just fix the process. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, uh, let's see. We have heard tonight from Matt and Matt and John and Michael and Michael. 
Well, that's interesting. Isn't that weird? And we have another John coming. What? In 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 the next question. So we've had a lot of uh, duplicate names happening here, Uh, but they've all found ways to contact us. But how about if you want to contact us? How do they do that, John? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. No, uh, I, I, I would think uh, option one is call us at 206-666-GEEK, which is, Dave? 4335. And you could probably email us. At, right. uh, I think it's feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Uh, what is it? You think right. It is feedback at MacGeekGab.com. You can Skype us to MacGeekGab if you dare. And... Uh, that's really the, the best ways to get in touch with us. Uh, we love it yeah. when you post iTunes comments. Uh, that's great. It, again, it's not uh, not a way to get your comment into the show, but uh, but we do love it. And, and actually, uh, current and future listeners appreciate your comments out there, too, because it helps them decide if this is the show for them. And that's mm-hmm. uh, that's a good thing. Yep. All right. So uh, speaking back to that, uh, that magic phone number, John actually called in uh, using that number and said... Hi, guys. This is John from Nominee Falls. I've called a couple of other times in the past. I have a a client um, who is having a problem with her uh, Apple Mail. Um, She uses uh, Roadrunner for uh, her IP uh, uh, internet service and uh, her ISP. And um, she connects to her network uh, via wireless, and I set that all up for her. Um, what seems to happen is, is every once in a while she'll call me and she'll tell me that she cannot send emails. So she loses a connection to the uh, um, out, outbound server, and, and I'll go to her house and I'll reset it up and it'll seem to work okay. And she says that what seems to be happening is that every once in a while she will connect to her neighbor's wireless router and after that, she cannot um, send email anymore. So I'm looking for two things. One, how can I prevent her from connecting to her uh, neighbor's wireless router? And two, is there anything that else that sounds kind of screwy about this situation uh, that might help me troubleshoot? Um, there's where you cut me off. John, this sounds awfully familiar. Mm. And it does, and we talked about it, but we'll go over it again. So yeah. where you want to look to prevent these, these you know, mind-numbing problems here is probably system preferences, network, if you're connected on airport. Now, on, on the initial screen, uh, you will see a checkbox, ask to join new networks. Keep that checked. But then you will also see an advanced button. In the advanced button, there there are several tabs on the top. Do the airport tab. And one of them says, remember any network this computer has joined. Uncheck that box. As far as I can tell, that is checked by default. Now, also, you will see a list of preferred networks, which is all of the crud that you've probably picked up while you've been traveling. Look for that list. Nuke anything that you don't recognize, because it may hook up to that again. Um, And I would say the combination of those two things, Dave, would probably keep you uh, in, in a pretty good predictable state. Yeah, I, I actually would agree. I mean, that's that's what uh, you know, this is very similar, of course, to the issues that uh, the woman that I went to help uh, locally here was having with grabbing the other printer. Right. I mean, it was the same thing. Now, in this case, it's very interesting because it means her neighbor has a wireless network 
and yet has a different internet service provider. Um, because if mm. she had the same internet service provider, this issue would not happen, right? Because the mail server would be the same regardless of uh, which house she was at. So uh, just, you know, makes it more curious, but same problem. Yeah. Or they may have a different mail server. Sometimes I've, I've seen this, you know, you're A through M, you're SMTP one dot blah, blah, dot blah, blah, though. I, I, I don't know if people really. Yeah, it's not worth doing that. Can't imagine. No, you may no. Uh, the, imagine, dude. Yeah, there are people out there that are doing what you know we were cobbling together, you know, tens of years ago. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, thank goodness I don't have to put bangs uh, in my emails to you to tell the computers how to route from my computer to yours. Remember, remember those days? Oh, bang path. Yeah, bang path. Right. Yeah. Uh, never mind. Yeah, Stop. that's right. Never mind. We just all of a sudden went from very helpful to extremely geeky and unhelpful. if you know what we said, <laughs> we have pity on, pity on your soul. <laughs> hey, those were good days, man. I'll never forget the first time. I know I'm on a tangent here, but uh, you know, I had an account on two different. I had accounts on two different Unix machines. And, uh, and, and when they, they, you know, one of them introduced this support, it was like, Oh, cool. So I went in and, uh, I logged into one and I typed, you know, my path to the other one, bang this computer, bang that, bang this, and then bang, you know, Dave, boom here. And then I logged into the other one and I got two emails and I think I've talked about this on the show before. So the first one, sure enough, was the one, uh, from myself on the other machine. And the second was the one from the system administrator saying, please don't waste internet bandwidth by sending email <laughs> to yourself from another computer. If only everyone in the world had gotten yeah, right. a very minor slap on the wrist for mm. wasting internet bandwidth with email, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in today. Right. Now, now what you said also to back up a bit, you said bang. Yes. I will say exclamation point. That's right. Yes. For those of you that. So old, old, ancient, archaic Dave mode Mm -hmm. um, email address. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And me too. Would have an exclamation. I think it was called BitNet to really go back and hello, Scott. (laughs) We know Scott is listening to this and and, and Scott's been there. Scott Barman, our, our pal. Yeah. I know he's done this stuff, and he will, uh, no doubt. I think um, give us a little, uh, you know, capsule yeah. It was well. Of, uh, I, I don't know what it was like back Bitnet. then because he it was, he it was UUCP, right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. All, all these acronyms, but but before it was the internet, it, it was it was a mess. <laughs> I, I like that. Dis, dis, dismiss the correction as oh, it's just acronyms. It doesn't matter. I like that. That was good. That's actually really well done. Uh, but yeah, the, are, the, you, are the, we ready? Or are you going is, on? No, no. The, the way it would work is is your username. Like for example, uh, my email address right, or the email address to the show right now would be MacGeekGab exclamation point feedback right. But that wasn't enough. You had to know what path would get you from your computer to the Mac Geek Gab computer. So, you know, it might right. be... Uh, so the router the, the, the router sucked. Yeah, you had problem. to... You, yeah, that's right. Here's the to, path from this computer to that right. computer to that computer. Yep. And yeah, and it, it was just it, not the way it was meant to be. And so, but. yeah, the path would be, you know, uh, uh, if let's say you're on Comcast, so it would be, you know, bang. And of course, this Comcast didn't exist <laughs> in terms of uh, routing email, but it would be, you know, uh, bang, Comcast, bang... 
um, maybe, uh, you know, AOL, if we had to route through their machine, bang, Mac geek, uh, bang feedback. And so it would say, go here, go here, go here, go here. And when you get there, go there and boom, it would work. If you went, if you took the right path and if it didn't, it would either disappear into the ether. Or it would come back anyway, back to John's question. Wow. What did I, did I, did I gloss over something? I thought I did really go. well there. Um, an alternative would be to use a different outbound email server. Um, you know, right now your, your, your friend is using the email server that her ISP has set up and provided for her. But of course you can only use that email server. If you're connected to that ISP's network, if you take that machine and go somewhere else, it's not going to work. Um, there is good reason then to use someone, a, a third party email server that allows secure sending from anywhere. And the most ubiquitous of those these days is Gmail. If you go and get a Gmail account, you can then use Gmail's outbound uh, SMTP server in a secure way. Uh, you have to authenticate to use it so you can't spam through it. But of course, a spammer could go and get an account. Um, but you know, your account is secure. And then that way, even if she does happen to pick up the neighbor's wireless network, at least she can still send email. Uh, of course, she, she may not know that she's picked up the neighbor's wireless network. So perhaps this is a good fail safe for that. But uh, but I, I mentioned it anyway, and that way it would it would at least solve that symptom of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the problem is that the default settings lend themselves to you. Uh, assuming you may have a couple of access points kind of kicking around the house and you're not really sure which one to use. So when you get out of range of one, it says, Hey, do you want me to connect to this other? And you're like, okay. Yeah. That's that right. may not be, uh, I would say in, uh, and we actually had our friend, uh, we'll, we'll give a, a, a shout out to Noel. Right, yeah. Dave? That was interesting. Um, one of the old Connecticut, uh, you know, uh, high school crowd. High school for um, you. I actually met Noel when he and my mother worked at the same school together. Oh, yes. DCYS and all that fun uh, stuff, It was right? called the learning community, actually. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So he actually wrote in about a... Uh, so number one, I think he's in Pennsylvania. And I guess uh, you and I assume, you know, living in coastal areas that Wi-Fi is uh, ubiquitous. It's not. Or broadband in general. He, he doesn't... On, he on doesn't, the coasts... Yes. He doesn't have the ability to get broadband to his house, so he's having to do long-haul Wi-Fi is what he's looking into. Right. And so I guess him and his, uh, I think, cousin or brother are exploring. Uh, and, and actually, Noel, uh, he was part of the whole radio crowd that I was part of. Right. So he, he has some mad skills in antenna design and stuff like that because, you know, you got a signal, you transmit, you receive. If you get the two antennas in sync... And, and there's a lot of work in this. I, you, you've seen the thing, yeah. which is kind of funny. A Pringles can is a perfect 2.4 gigahertz uh, conduit. And I've seen people do long haul 802.11 at 2.4 gigahertz with a Pringles can and some other, you know, kind of not very high tech stuff. So it's a very interesting field of exploration, especially for people um, like like him and I. And you probably did a little bit of work with radios oh back yeah then, right uh, yeah it came from a long line of ham operators yeah yeah your dad uh, i think did a uh, amateur radio my and, grandfather uh, and my uncle and all those people wow yeah nice so anyways uh so so in the sticks yeah you got open space you got an antenna you got a transmitter go for it have fun <laughs> yeah you, you you know it's um 
a lot of times it's sent over microwave is is the way it's done um, with with dishes. Uh, I, I don't know if the Pringles can will go quite as far. You know, I think I think there's people doing like five mile runs uh, of of Wi-Fi. And, and what happens is you'll get an ISP that says, yeah, OK, I'll set this up in the, you know, out here in the in the country. And then it becomes a network. So, you know, if you're if you're on the network, John, and, and you've got the signal from the ISP, then they might come to your house and say, OK, we're going to put another uh, repeater at your place mm-hmm. so that you can repeat the signal to me. And then maybe I'd repeat it to Pete and, you know, and, and all that stuff and bounce it around. So it it's definitely pretty cool. And I knew some people outside of Austin, uh, not too far outside of Austin, that were doing this not mm-hmm. that long ago, you know, maybe five years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, so, it works. So, <laughs> so what I'm going to say is if you're one of our listeners and you're in middle America and you're anywhere beyond, uh, you know, kind of, a, you know, telegraph key, as far as your <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, uh, people just stopped us. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm trying but, to, um, I'm trying to think no. of what it's called. It's, you know, long haul Wi-Fi is the the common name for it. But um I'm trying to think of what, you know, what you would want to search for. Um, well, long just Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, long distance. I don't know. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, the comment I made the last time I traveled to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which yeah. I know one of our listeners at least is there. I was in a hotel and I could not even get uh, telephone modem connections. It was bad. Wow. Now, again, it was like five years ago, and, yeah. and it could have been ju- just been an oddball area of town, though uh, surprisingly, later in the evening when we came back from an event for uh, ISO, uh, International Standards Organization uh, event, the, the SWAT team was out because they heard a gunshot in city limits, which was just like, hmm. All right, so now okay. the... Uh, now, now, now we're going to move on the, to the tangent, something relevant. The tangent has uh, has has gone has, has run Expired. its course. It long range Wi Fi would be the other thing to search for if you're if you're someone that's looking Got for it. this. Okay, um, <sighs> it, you know I, I'm gonna it, it. This is somewhat related to the Go. to well not really sort of related to what we've no. been talking Go. about. Ryan, I'm jumping all the way to Ryan. Uh, Ryan says. I have a MacBook Pro Core 2 Duo, Core Duo, uh, Rev A, and I run the latest Leopard. I use remote desktop connection from Microsoft at work for terminal services as well as a printer on the same local network in my office. This has been working just fine for me for over a year. Two days ago, however, I started seeing really odd behavior when I launched RDC. Normally, it bounces once in the dock and initiates the connection to the terminal server immediately. For the last two days, when it launches, it bounces, then hangs, then causes all the other apps to hang, and basically chokes Leopard to death. Eventually, after a few minutes, it will display the connection window, then hang again, all the while rendering other apps unusable. Eventually, it connects and then runs as normal. I have no issues using the software on the server, and the only time RDC hangs is when I launch it or when I attempt to change preferences. Similarly, when I attempt to print on the network, the Canon printer app launches and does the same thing. Uh, this happened uh, to two separate apps at exactly the same time. And there's no indication that any of the network drivers have failed or anything like that. To be honest, I've been looking for a reason to nuke and pave this laptop to really clean out three years worth of crud uh, and apps that I don't use. I never had to do it on this computer. So it's built up a bit. Thought I'd see if you two had any thoughts on it though, before I go medieval on it. Uh, well, (laughs) you know, it sounds like going medieval after uh, several years is not a bad idea, but that's my vote. 
Well, let, let's talk about let, let's talk about what Nuke and Pave is going to do, right? There's some things that we can try beforehand, and and of course, I, I promised we'd mention Onyx again, and and here's the opportunity. That's the first thing I would do is launch Onyx, clean out the caches, clean the preference, clean the uh, you know the permissions. One of those two could be doing it. The other thing that could be doing it is you might have a damaged virtual memory swap file. These are in some cases recycled from from session to session, even after you reboot. So uh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. The best way to delete. Hi, are you sure? Uh, I thought a reboot kind of reset the VM space. Sometimes the files are recycled. Okay. And what you can do is you can run uh, Applejack. So you have to install it. And then mm-hmm. boot into single user mode by holding down uh, Command S while the computer starts. And then if you run Applejack, you can delete the virtual memory swap files. This will ensure that you're not uh, that you're not getting those. So so that would be that would be kind of the the first two steps. Reinstalling a remote desktop client uh, seems a pretty obvious thing. Delete it. Uh, maybe even delete the preferences, and, and then uh, you know go into home library. Uh, preferences and delete anything to do with remote desktop. Also go into application support, home library application support and delete anything there. Uh, and then, you know, the, I, I'd, I'd try the ten five six combined updater. Just, uh, hmm. uh, wow. You know, I, well, you know, I'm trying Dude, to think you're of, hardcore, man. Well, that, we're that, about that, to that's nuke and the pave. nuke and pave. You're uh, nuking and paving. No, nuke and so, pave is format and start. Well, again. But, but this is close. Hmm. You well, take that's exactly everything. It. Everything that's part of the problem, right? Potentially, that's the idea, isn't it? Yep. That I mean, you know, what, yeah. what else do you do? Do you have any ideas? No. Okay. <laughs> then we'll do this. We've it's rambled. An hour. We've answered oh questions. We've shared tips. We've shared stories. It's been good. We shared a bit of ourselves. <laughs> and so have you. And that's the point. You know, we appreciate I, that. Yeah. I feel a kumbaya moment here. No? I was letting them sing. We're not going to hold hands and... Uh... <laughs> no. uh, iPhone Alley. Go ahead. Maybe at the next Mac World. We'll have a, we'll have a Mac Geek Gab kumbaya moment. So, yeah. So, yeah. did we mention this? That uh, Have we talked about the fact that Mac World moved to, uh, oh, to February? Oh, February. The, um, I'm... I'm a bit indifferent. I mean, January was the start of my vacation year, so though the weather kind of sucked, so uh, delaying it a bit may be good. Well, for the Northeast, though, Dave, I don't know. I think it's fantastic. Okay, why? Because it means that uh, you know, take what, a breather what happens, from and, and CES separation. Yeah, Is that well, it? Yeah. So there's the CES separation, but but even even more than that. You know, what, what's happened now, especially as it's kind of crept back up to basically the first weekend of the new year, is it, you know, what happens is December 15th, everybody sort of kind of starts disappearing from their desks. But yeah. trying to coordinate stuff for Macworld, you know, you're trying to reach people when they're not quite reachable. And uh, and it, it really sucks. It kind of, you know, diverts a lot of attention uh, away during the, the holiday season and all that. So... To be able to move it out six weeks after the new year, we don't have to do any meeting scheduling or any of that until after we all come back from, you know, from being away for a week for Christmas and New Year's. So I I think it's fantastic. Plus, 
it allows co- companies right now, you know, if you've got a product that you could release in November and maybe get some Christmas sales from, if you're a Mac company, you're hanging on to that product until Macworld Expo so you can get some splash. Now you're going to release that product before you're going to get Christmas sales. And then you're going to have, you know, you maybe your point one update in uh, February, you know, uh, middle of February. So I, I think it's I think it's about the best thing that's ever happened. Um, and and, and the, some of the vendors that I've heard from definitely agree. So. No, actually, you know, you're right, because the uh, the hustle I had to do, you know, I, I usually do some sort of scheduling. You got like a week where everybody's dogpiling you with invites, and it's a yeah. So, so, so I think it, it offers a bit more breathing room for yeah, just having a, a well thought out and organized event. Cool. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good. All right, iPhoneAlley.com is Michael Johnston's home. He's the one that converts this show to AAC for you. Cashfly.com is where you find out more about the company that provides all the bandwidth to get this show from us to you. The podcast marketplace includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, Text Expander from Smile on My Mac, Notebook from Circus Ponies, and Audible, one free book, available at audiblepodcast.com slash macgeekgab, all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. You got anything else to say, John? No. Well, then that's that, isn't it? Sorry. No, that's definitive. I, I like straight answers. We don't waste time. We don't screw around. And you don't get caught. Did I tell you in the airport? <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't get caught. Made up.